Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Ice Sport Radio. It's our rest of the NHL show. The season is underway. And, uh, uh, you know, we got to our Stanley Cup. We got to our Stanley Cup predictions last week. We're going to do some more stuff with that. Uh, We're going to get into a lot of things this week. But let me just introduce you to the panel real quick. Of course, we are without Stephalicious D. Steph Driver tonight. Her services will be missed as she believes she is getting sick. But we are joined by the usuals, first and foremost. Let's uh, let's say Kelly Hinkle. Oh, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, so what I would like to say about hockey this week is that it's absurd to me that there are approximately 15 hockey games at the same time tonight and zero hockey games tomorrow. That sounds pretty NHL. It's pretty dumb, right? Yeah, that's all I got. That's the league. That's... that's- <laughs> That's the world we live in with this freaking league. I don't like it. Me neither. But like, I pay for NHL TV to be able to watch on my off nights. Like, tomorrow I'm off and nothing. Let's throw it over to the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. I'm uh, going to throw this out there. It's probably a bad look for the NHL to reduce a guy's suspension who is suspended for domestic violence. You know, you, it, it, Honestly, like, just read the room, guys. Not, not a good move. Did Austin Watson's suspension get reduced? Is it that did, what happened? It did indeed. It didn't get reduced like to single digits or anything, but they cut, I think, nine games off of it. And it's like So what's it, eighteen now? Yeah, it's like why? Why? Why did you have to reduce it? You're and we'll get into Austin yeah. Watson in a bit. He was of course on the ice for the Predators uh raising of three banners to commemorate their second round exit. We'll get into that in just a minute. Before first, like I was saying We finished our division preview episodes uh, on the October 3rd BSH radio show. Uh, We did the first three right here on Ice Sport and wrapped up with the Metro on the eve of the Flyers season. And we also gave our cup predictions. Uh, Steph had the Leafs over Jets. Both Kelly and Charlie had the Predators over the Leafs. Maddie Campbell made an appearance and picked the Lightning over the Predators. And I I have the Sharks over the Lightning. Uh, we have at least one of the Leafs, Predators, and Lightning in all of our predictions. So to lead off, after a week, would you like a would you like a mulligan? Would you like to amend your pick, or would you like to state why you're confident in it as uh, as confident in it as you were a week ago? Well, for me personally, I'm sticking with it. And if I were to change anything, the only thing I would change is perhaps say Leafs over Preds at this point, just because the Leafs um, seem to be able to score quite a lot of hockey goals <laughs> and uh i don't see that slowing down anytime soon so but are they be... playoff goals kelly are they playoff caliber goals i don't Rem- know remains don't... to be seen i'd say i don't know if they you need a michael raffle you know those those highlight <laughs> real goals are all well and good but you really need a mucker or a grinder on your first line to get it done i think that's true that's true and they have all of that stupid talent and they don't have anyone in a role-playing role so i don't know how they're going to succeed but we'll see how they do with Tavares and matthews i will make the point that 
as bad as the Flyers have been defensively, and we've watched them be absolutely awful and give up an insane amount of goals and look like utter dog shit for probably half their games, uh, they've only given up two more goals than these cup favorite Maple Leafs, who have given up 17 goals in four games. The Flyers have given up 19. So, yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah, it's but right Austin Math- goals, but they're not, they're not stopping many. <laughs> I mean, Austin Matthews is on pace to score like 148 goals. He's so quite, He's quite good. They're also if- on pace to give up like... 500 <laughs> that might be probably no problem well i don't know i yeah their defense isn't great but I, I still think they're gonna come out of the east i am so amused by toronto and the leafs media and everything because i'm watching hockey central today and the first 25 minutes of the show are dedicated to the leafs uh you know, potential salary cap problems, you know, Nylander still isn't there. And they are just so worried about offer sheets for Matthews and Marner. Like, why wouldn't, they're basically asking, why wouldn't a team like, say, Arizona just throw $16 million at Austin Matthews just to, see, just to make it throw off, like, all of their, uh, make it throw off everything, you know, Toronto's trying to do and also bring home the hometown hero for a team that could really use some excitement. But, like, y- you're the... You're one of the cup favorites. You're playing this amazing, you know, hockey, and the only thing you're worried about is next year's contracts. If you win the cup this year, who cares? I mean, that would be fun, but no one's ever going to do it because NHL general managers are boring turds. Yeah, yeah and like as yeah, go, I, I, go. I also think that like, look, I am very much in favor of increasing chaos and more offer sheets, but the thing you do have to remember with this is like. It's not like teams can just give an offer sheet and it's done. The player has to sign it. And considering what Toronto is building there, I don't know if anybody of any of their core players would even sign an offer sheet at this point because they want to be a part of that team. You know what I mean? Like, like, why would you, if you're Austin Matthews, like, yeah, I get it's home for you, but like, you're really going to leave the Leafs to go join the Coyotes. Like, really? No. (laughs) And you could never get away with wearing those giant coats in Arizona. People would shame you. Gets a little warm there. I don't know if he'd be able to take that. Uh, I am going to stick with San Jose over Tampa Bay. Wild Uh, card. Yeah. um, San Jose didn't have the strongest start to the season, but I I just think it's going to take a while to build a little bit of chemistry, get some things going. I still think they have some very good players. I'm hoping Jumbo Joe sits out the whole first half of the season. Just come back fresh and... Come back fresh at the trade deadline. Be like one of the big acquisitions. Let these young kids run with the regular season. You know, that's regular seasons for kids. Postseason, that's where the veterans shine. Uh, but I will say, if I can't have San Jose with you know Carlson and Thornton and a bunch of guys I really enjoy, and if I can't have some sort of magical Flyers run, which, you know, I would take over anything, give me Carolina and Calgary. Narrative City, baby! Oh my God, the two teams that made the, you know the blockbuster trade of the year until the Carlson trade. Oh, that was talk. Let's get into Dougie Hamilton museums. Let's talk about all of it. I want to Narrative City. That would be the no, absolute this, best. For see, me. I, such a weirdo. I can't deal with the idea of Carolina being good before the Flyers are. <laughs> I, I can't deal with it. Like I, I will not accept it because like they've been. They, they've just been that team that everybody picks every year, and I will not be able to take it if, like, they go on a long playoff run before the Flyers do. F them. Like, really, fuck them. I, I, listen, the organization itself, whatever, I get it, but I will say, it's something we're going to get into in a minute, um, 
The Hurricanes might be a cool group of individuals that the NHL is dying for. There's there's some personalities in that locker room, starting with the coach. I'm going to get into some Dougie Hamilton co- quotes and some other guys uh, on the team who just seem interesting to me. They seem to be embracing the individual down there, and I just think that's something uh, that's something hockey needs more of. We'll also get into a few more predictions at the end of the show if there's time. But I guess before we get to all my hurricane stuff, because I fell down a big hurricane's hole last night, so you're going to love this, Charlie. Oh, um, great. <laughs> Wonderful. I just kept reading more and more about the hurricanes and got into them for it's, a couple what, hours. what, four games into the year? I'm still not sold. Like oh, they, well, they, 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 they it, by the By 10 games, they could be back in the basement. Whatever. I know. I know. Right, but <laughs> what, what have been your biggest surprises so far? What do you think is the biggest story? What has captured your attention the most now that the week now that we're a week into the season? Um, well, I mean, not to pile on to Charlie's misery, but I've I've been surprised by the Hurricanes because I kind of expected them to start off slow because their goaltending is such a disaster. But uh, they've only lost one game in overtime, so they're doing some stuff down there. They're just scoring a lot. I mean, that's really what it boils yeah. down to. It's not as if I think McElhaney's been pretty good, but Morozik's been predictably awful. It's just that they're scoring a ton of goals and Carolina's problem for a long time has just been like they have all the they have all the puck possession. They they dominate on the shots on goal and shot attempts and Corsi and everything like that, but they just can't finish on any of their chances. So they end up not scoring a lot of goals and they end up giving up a lot of goals cuz their goalies are bad. And then it looks like I think the goalies are probably still bad, but now they're actually finishing. And I guess the question is whether they can continue that or if uh, if they're going to come back to earth and this is just, you know, they're happening to have a hot streak in terms of shooting percentage at the very, very beginning of the year, so it's especially noticeable. Uh, we'll see. I, 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 their defense is good. I mean, but we, we knew that. Like, the only thing that's changed really is that they're scoring, and we will see if they can continue scoring. That what was, are you surprised by, Charles? I don't remember which article it is that uh, I think it's this. The, I think it was thirty-one thoughts. They they actually brought that up uh, to to Rod Brendamore, and he kind of was like, "Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, they asked him what the difference is in the, all the goal scoring. And he said we're scoring on chances we just didn't the last two three years. Like he said, it's probably not going to continue like all season, you know, all the way through the playoffs, but." It's good to get that confidence now. It's good to get everyone off to a good start, and hopefully, finding ways to win carries through. Uh, so I, I think Derek, not he's at least acknowledging that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't score for like three years, and now we just happen to be. It's not going to last, but <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, going back to the like what surprised you. I guess you know maybe it shouldn't have because. I think it was fair to predict that they were not going to be as good this year. But I guess what surprised me is how much Vegas has looked like the team we thought they were going to be last year or this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually my big surprise, Charlie, is the Vegas Magic may have run out. Uh, they're 1-3-0. and yeah, They have seven goals in four games. Jonathan Marcheseau is the only player with more than one goal. Uh, only he and William Carlson have more than one point. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury's save percentage is eight forty six. Oh boy, yes. seems bad. Yeah, it's like eighty points lower than it was on the season last year, something like that. So it's um, it's. I was talking about this on post game a little last night. It's not like the I told you so thing, 
Because I was enjo- like I enjoyed it. I didn't want the Vegas Magic to run out, but we all like on this show when it was you know on Patreon last year, we're sitting there saying like, hey, this has to end at some point, right? This this can't continue to happen. And now it seems as if that you know inevitable regression is finally occurring. And I'm not happy about it because it's fun. What they did last year was fun, but it's it was predictable. I I guess. Yeah, I, I I like this tweet from uh from Justin Bourne who who writes for Spoiler Alert the Athletic. Um, I like this tweet he had a, a few hours ago today. Um, he basically was talking about Vegas and he goes, you know, Vegas had their special year. We all love the story. Well, I didn't, but most people love the story. Uh, and they had our support, basically that of all fans. But the success never made sense to me roster wise. So I could live with them struggling this this year, if only for the zillion people last year who complained about the NHL gifting Vegas some super team because of the expansion fee. They didn't appreciate just how special that season was. It was insane. So a little reality might be good for everyone here. And I, I think that's fair. You know, maybe we went a little bit over the top in in you know acting like. Vegas had built this amazing team and George McPhee was this unbelievable GM and Gerard Gallant was this unbelievable coach. Like maybe we did swing a little bit too far in the, like these guys are geniuses. They built the, you know, the NHL version of miracle on ice team. And maybe a little reality is good. I don't know. Those those tweets just, just caught my eye. We're extremely smart and good. So we were saying the whole time that George McPhee just got lucky. (laughs) Yeah. at no point did I believe that. Oh my God! Look at of, look at what five hundred million dollars buys. I guess all these other expansion clubs just didn't pay enough to get you know rules. Like it wasn't the rules. It wasn't what the NHL did. It was other GMs being fucking stupid. Like that's why they were as good as they were. That's part of the reason they were as good as they were last year. The other part is hockey's a game played on emotion, and that team just had uh, the, the lightning in the bottle cliche. Like that's what it was. It was just one of those years, and I know you didn't like it last year, Charlie, because you just couldn't fathom. You didn't like an expansion team doing what they did. I enjoyed it, but now that they're in, it, year one is over, I am anti-Vegas. See, the funny I, thing is I, I'm flipped. Like, now <laughs> yeah, now, would... now, I'm cool with them doing well because they've tasted <laughs> Oh, boy. I didn't want you them to win the You people are so year, finicky. But now, now, that, now, that they've, now that they've lost, now they're allowed to win a cup in my mind. So now it's funny how we kind of flipped roles here. Yeah, now that they've experienced heartbreak, you're for it. Exactly. I now want them to suffer long. Like I just thought it was a cool story. If uh, Especially just like because Florida is such a joke and I hate them so much and different <laughs> things like that. That um, was funny. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Like, I, I just wanted to see all that stuff happen. And it was just a cool story. Like, the way they started the year with the Vegas Bourne stuff and the shooting there and how the city just embraced them so much. I really enjoyed all that and the emotion they bottled out of that. But now they're just another team in the league that I don't want to see win because they're not called the Flyers. I mean, it was objectively speaking, it was good for hockey. Like, I'll never, oh, absolutely. I'll never deny that. It was great for the sport. And, you know, if only just to get a new market that is now going to work, almost certainly. But also just because it brought a lot of attention to the sport that wouldn't have been there otherwise. But I just, me personally, I just didn't like it. That's just me. I enjoyed it last year, but I've settled into a nice, comfortable indifference about Las Vegas. Mm. If they win, whatever. If they lose, whatever. It's fine. They're yeah, not they're, new and shiny and fun anymore. Yeah, they're not the they're not a new toy that I'm like, oh, what are their jerseys like? I, it was just such a like part of me was into them just because they were su- they were the story of the off season even before they took off because all the work we had to do looking into the expansion draft rules and then watch it like everything that led up to them becoming a team. It was like a two year story, so I wanted to see how it played out and I enjoyed all that. 
Let's get into the rest of the league now, fam. And by the rest of the league, I mean those Carolina Hurricanes I referenced earlier. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say Rod Brendamore for president. Um, have you guys seen the uh, Carolina's new victory celebration? Yes, and I, th- I, I think it's very fun. I, I like it. I think it's cool. I uh, They asked uh, Elliot Friedman in 31 Thoughts talk to, uh, talk to Brendamore about it. And these are Rod DeBod's quotes straight out of that article. He says, The captains brought it up early, and we talked about it as a group. Uh, They were tired of the salute at center ice. And right there, right there, I'm for it. Because that salute at center ice that some teams do is so played out, and it's always looked like the bare minimum, most half-hearted. Oh, God, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's It's so forced and boring. Like, oh, yeah, we're saluting the fans with a stick, and now we're going to get off the ice and, you know, go drink go drink our shakes in the locker room and go home. Like, it, it always seemed like teams couldn't wait to get out of there doing that. Just injecting a little bit of personality into this league I think is such a big deal. Yeah, because it never happens. So it's it's really fun to see. First of all, just the idea that these guys were like, hey, we do this empty gesture at the end of games, but we actually do appreciate our fans, so we'd like to do something a little bit different. Like, even that is is fun to me because that's not a thing that happens all the time in this league. Yeah, kind of, this whole thing, and I'm, I'm like, anti-Carolina. Why is there going to be this year's Vegas? I'm going to be the anti-this year's Vegas, too. Um, <laughs> but, like, I it does kind of put things into a little bit of different perspective in terms of what they did in the offseason. Like, there were a few moves they made, and they didn't seem that smart. Like, I'm specifically speaking to the Jeff Skinner trade. Skinner, yeah. Um, and one of the things that, like, Brindamore had said was that, you know, we're, we were trying to build a certain type of culture. And he sort of implied that, like, Skinner was not a fit for that culture. And, like, I don't know the, the kind of guy Jeff Skinner is. But I almost wonder if, like, they did want to kind of go with this more energetic, like, happy-go-lucky type of, you know, type of atmosphere and that was one of the reasons why they kind of part ways with their old coach, and that might have been one of the reasons why they did a little roster restructuring was that they just wanted a different feel. And I don't know if it's going to work, but they certainly weren't doing this kind of stuff last year. So maybe there was something to the idea of kind of changing up the culture in that uh, in that in that organization because it was stagnant for a while. When and because we've talked a, a million times on this show about how Carolina's been the sexy pick for years now. Like, it's, it's been a thing. And so when you fail to live up to expectations year after year, when everyone's looking at your roster and going, all right, maybe you're not, like, top three, like, cup contenders, but a run to the Eastern Conference Finals shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, let alone you're not making the playoffs ever. You know, like, that's how far, like, that's they've failed to meet expectations by a wide margin. Charlie, when you say culture change, I just can't help but wonder, like, was Jeff Skinner a jingle-footed winger? Like, <laughs> they needed a north-south winger, not a jingle-footed winger. Oh, that's a uh, that's a Chip Kelly uh, reference for you. No, Kelly. speaking of speaking of like Philadelphia aspects of this, um, I think on Twitter a couple days ago, uh, Shawnee Hill, the Flyers, like in arena host guy, basically tweeted out like, "I think it would be great if the Flyers did something like this. You know, it would be really fun, and it would add to the atmosphere in the arena." And he's right. At the same time, can you ever imagine? a Dave Haxall coach team being encouraged to do something like this. Oh, there's, no, because like, he's, he seems to be a person who hates fun in all no, of its aspects. no chance in hell. Like, if Claude Giroux and Travis Konecki came up to him with this suggestion, he wouldn't even say a word. He would just stare at them. He'd put them on waivers. 
until they left the room. He'd straight up put them on wafers. (laughs) Uh, And that's why I said at the beginning of this segment, Rod Brendamore for president, because Friedman asked uh, Brendamore, like, what did you think? Because, you know, he said the the uh, the captains brought it up to him and they were tired of the salute at center ice and they just wanted to do something different and fun. And so they talked it out as a group and the players kind of decided on it. And Rod, you know, he came up in the late 80s, early 90s. He's an old school player, you know, the two way center, one of the toughest guys to ever play. They asked, you know, what did what did you think of the celebration? I thought it was great, Rod replied. Guys play hard and they should enjoy themselves. It should be fun when you win. It used to be that when you won, you'd go out and have a good time, but guys don't do that anymore. They're serious about things all the time. You have to find other ways to blow off steam. I'm not sure coaches back when I played would have allowed it, but we're living in a different time. And my God, I have no idea what Dave Haxtall is really like behind closed doors. Not like that. But there's no fucking way that he gives you that quote. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, never, never. There's a 0% chance. Yeah, there's absolutely no way that Dave Haxtall would encourage any kind of freedom of expression or fun or enjoyment from his players. I mean, lest you forget that this is the guy that benched Shane Gosses Bear because he takes too many risky chances. Yeah. So. Scores too many goals. They. Uh, What's he doing all that fun stuff for? Just sit back by the blue line and back in slowly, like Andrew McDonald does. The and, energy. And to, to be fair, like, and and this is not to defending Dave Haxtell, but like, this mentality is not just coming from him. Ron oh, Hexel. No, yeah. Ron Hexel yeah. is the same not fun GM. I mean, he. I think he's better at his job than Haxtell is, but like Hexel wouldn't enjoy this either. I'm sorry. No. 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 He's Hextall, he's Mr. Serious as well. Hextall would run out on the ice and attack his captain as if he were Chris Chelios. <laughs> if he saw this shit happening. Uh, so are you hoping to see more teams try something like this? It would be nice if, if more teams did fun stuff or more organizations in general did fun stuff. Like last year after we came back from Vegas, we talked a lot about how fun their in-game presentation was because they were doing weird stuff that nobody else did. I mean, that's kind of fun. Like, Nashville obviously has a really good atmosphere inside their building. And it's just, it's a game. And it's supposed to be fun. And and while they should be serious about their jobs, these guys should be having fun as well. And I think that if more teams adopted this kind of attitude, it, I think it would be good for the league as a whole. You know what I'd like? And this is probably way too minor league. But I think it would be a lot of fun if... Um, if after every home win, one of the players would grab like a t-shirt gun and shoot t-shirts into the stand. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would that would be fun. And then that, like, like if you yeah. if you get a t-shirt after a win, like that becomes a big thing as a fan. Like, hey, this is like you know the, this is this is the t-shirt I got from when they beat Boston in whatever game. Like, I think that'd be pretty neat, and it'd be fun. I think the players would probably enjoy that. That would actually, I was going to ask what other kinds of things could teams do to celebrate with their fans because Carolina does this and that's awesome. I don't want to see four other teams doing it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like come up with your own shit. Like when it was the the first year in the NFL when they allowed group celebrations, what, two years ago or last, was it last year maybe? Yeah, Whatever it was, it was last year. Yeah. Uh, like first time, first couple of games, everyone had the like their own shit. And now like every team does the bowling thing. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I saw the Eagles do that last year. Now, like, okay, yeah, we did the electric slide already, you know? <laughs> There's so many different things. Kelly, I, I want to ask you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preempt this. 
I'm taking Joe Thornton's four-goal celebration off the table. Which is bullshit and <laughs> cowardly, in my opinion, because that would be, of course, the best celebration in hockey history. Oh, my God. In it fact, would... in human history, I would say. It's Nothing would be history. better. Yes, there would be no better celebration than that one. Let's be real. I would say, I, I like this celebration. I want to see teams get creative, and I want, like, just come up with something. And I, However, I will say, I'd love this celebration if there was a reverse to it. If after a home loss, the team had to skate suicides in front of the crowd. <laughs> that would be I would, funny. I would feel personally satisfied if I paid 80 bucks for a ticket, or whatever the hell tickets go for, and the team lost, and I'm feeling dejected. And I got to watch the team be punished in front of my own eyes. Yeah, see, like, the, uh, the, the, the crowd gets to yell again, again? over and over yeah. again until, <laughs> until they're satisfied. You get to straight up do the miracle. Like, I would do, I would say one set of suicides for however many goals you lost by. Like, you know, overtime loss, do one. You lose by seven, like the Flyers, six, like the, whatever the hell it was, eight, I don't remember. Whatever the Flyers did at their home opener. Yeah, you're skating all night, boys. This is, this is some Herb Brooks shit. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, and just to go back to the celebrations, like, it doesn't even need to be, like, a whole thing. Like, imagine, like, we all know at this point that the Flyers go into the locker room after a win and they play knock-knock. What if they just played it in the arena as they're skating off the ice? Let them get into the happy mood on their way off the ice. We're all enjoying it because we know that's what they're going to do when they get in there. And it just, like, brings the fan into what these guys are doing post-game. And I think that even that would be fine. And that's like a small thing. Yeah, I mean the Phillies do that with um, with high hopes. They always play a uh, Harry Harry Callis singing high hopes after Phillies wins. So like, and that's nice. I know like what don't the Rangers do that with uh, one of the one of the like thousand New York songs there are. Um, so there are teams that that do that. Maybe not all in the NHL, but that is a thing. So that would be I think fairly easy to do. I, I'm I'm more looking for something to actually like really get the crowd going. Though. Yeah, I am all about this T-shirt cannon thing, Charlie. That is so cool. <laughs> it is I, a really good idea. It be it could be like the the guy who had like had the best game, whoever like the first star is gets to shoot the T-shirt cannon. Yeah, I'm just picturing like Travis Konechny not knowing how to work the thing and accidentally <laughs> shoot himself with it. <laughs> I just, oh man, that would be so funny. But I want to stick with Carolina for a little bit because they're 3 0 and 1. And like, like Charlie said, it's four games. But when I see a team do what they did, and as much as, you know, we talked about this trade many times, um, Carolina got the best player. I, I read Calgary's reasons for making the trade, and I can't say that they're wrong because they were looking for a culture change as well. Uh, they're another team that just hasn't lived up to expectations, but. Carolina's picked up seven of eight points. They're averaging four and a quarter goals a game. They're giving up uh, two and three quarter goals a game. I feel like this could finally be them turning the corner. And again, I don't think they're going to win the cup this year. But I just, uh, the more fun teams there are in the league, the better. One thing that's always plagued them is goaltending. McElhenney has never been bad, and he's been pretty good this year. Now, Peter Morozik, as Charlie said, predictably bad. And not only has he been bad, he's my enemy, so I actively root against him. <laughs> um, there's still no timetable for Scott Darling's return, Brenda Moore said on Monday. Assuming he's healthy when he comes back, he can't possibly be as bad as he was last year, right? I would be surprised if he was, because he was pretty bad. I think he had said that, and this is, I believe I read an article saying this, um, that basically, like, he had 
he when he came to camp last year like really out of shape and they just didn't realize that he was because they didn't have a baseline as to what his normal like degree of fitness was okay um and that's one of the reasons why he played really poorly during the year at least they thought so like he apparently worked his ass off in the summer and came in you know really ready to go then unfortunately for him got hurt uh but yeah i think it's plausible that he has a better year um and yeah this could really be the year for them like to be totally honest with you there are so many teams in the East that I just don't think are capable of being involved in the playoffs that really what I think you're left with, at least this is my mind, I could, you never know, like somebody could, could explode out of nowhere. But like, I think really what you have is you have 10 teams for eight spots. Yeah. A- and the you have the basically have the eight teams that made the playoffs last year. You have Florida and you have uh, and you have Carolina. And if the Devils regress, which I think they could. And Florida just lost a Longo for a significant amount of time. I mean, maybe that's their path in. And if we assume the Flyers make the playoffs, even though, like, they're the Flyers and who the hell knows what they're going to do, like, maybe Carolina is the eighth team. Maybe they slip in. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It would be fun if they did. I like seeing new blood in the playoffs every now and again. It's fun for everybody. And, like, I just go back to the, um, not even the one they won, but the, uh, the Stanley Cup final they lost to Detroit, uh, the one that got preempted by the pregame show for a horse race once when it went into overtime. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, but I just remember, like, that was a good, that building had a good atmosphere. Like, we've always, like, we all know what the market is in Carolina. If they're not good, it's going to be empty. But that's most teams in all sports, you know? Uh, it, when they're good, the building's fun. I want to see that come back. And when I think about the playoffs in the East, We talked about the Atlantic. There are those three teams there, you know, Toronto, Boston, and um, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, and when we look at the Metro, I think it's Washington, I think it's Pittsburgh, and I think it's Philly. And then after that, it's a bunch of teams who are, like, right there, and they could easily be one of them. Like, Columbus, another team that uh, God knows what's going to happen with them. Their two best players don't want to be there. They basically already said, yeah, we ain't coming back. Uh, So you never know what's going to happen with them. So, uh, something else, uh, looking up about Carolina, Jordan Stahl is 30? He's just perpetually 24 to me. I can't believe <laughs> I just, I don't know. You're it, old. It makes me feel old, and I realized he's Jeru's age, and we're all 88 guys. I was like, oh, shit, we're all, that's, like, in my head, I'm 17, and so, like, I also think Jordan Stahl is perpetually 24. It's like, how old are Mark and Eric? Jesus, these guys have been around for fucking ever. Uh, so I'm going to keep with this Hurricanes theme for a little bit. And it's, like I said, I think they're embracing the individual. And we've talked a lot about Dougie Hamilton on this show, Calgary last year, everything that happened with him leading up to the trade. But I got to, the more I read about Teach Me How to Hamilton, um, he's becoming <laughs> he's, be, he's becoming one of my favorite players in the league, like non-flyers. I like him. Um, just, his, he's got some interesting... He chooses his words carefully, but he's very blunt still at the same time. Like, asked about, you know, uh, how negative attention has affected him. I think the thing for me that I've learned is that people that I respect as humans, that's whose words kind of affect me. If I respect someone and they tell me what I'm doing is something wrong, I shouldn't be acting that way, and stuff like that, then I'm going to change. 
But I don't. But I think if I don't respect the person, then there's no reason to change or listen to those beliefs. And that's awesome. Like he is basically saying, yeah, Calgary wanted me to go to the bars, and I liked going to museums, and uh, you know, that's just, just not who I am. And they seem to have really embraced that down there. Um, because Burnside in this article with the Athletic, which I'm told is a reputable publication, although some of their hires, eh. Yeah, um, debatable, I'd say. <laughs> you know. Uh, but Scott Burnside wrote this really good article about the culture uh, in Carolina and how they're switching it up and how Dougie Hamilton fits in there. And something that really struck me is there's a chance Dougie Hamilton just didn't and maybe still still doesn't fit in with the majority of his teammates. And that's okay. Like Teams are supposed to be made up of different personalities, and I believe it, it was in 31 Thoughts that... Um, Elliot Friedman was talking about the same thing and quoted Doug Peterson's article or quoted Doug Peterson's book that came out right after they won the Super Bowl and how he told his players, like, embrace who you are. Go out and if if doing the fucking electric slide helps us win the Super Bowl because it makes you feel more free and to be who you are, then do that. Like, have no regrets about being who you are. And it just seems that the Hurricanes are embracing that. And I'm really, really liking what they're doing down there. And I just wish... I want to know why is there such an an aversion to expressing individuality in hockey? It seems that other sports um, seem to embrace it more, even somewhat with baseball. There's a couple of guys who have personality, but not so. Football and basketball, tons of them. Why is there such an aversion to it in hockey? Well, I mean, it's the whole hockey culture thing where nothing you do matters it's all for the good of the team and everything you do is to benefit the team and you know this falls into the whole thing with the NHL being terrible at marketing like you have a guy like Austin Matthews who's obviously got a ton of personality and strange coats and you've got a guy like Brent Burns who is a crazy person and a lot of fun or a guy like PK Subban who has a ton of personality and is fun to watch and they just don't push that out because that's not the game. We have to push the teams that we don't push individuals. And it's just, it's very stupid and short-sighted. And like you said, I think it does affect how these guys play. Like Dougie Hamilton wasn't happy in Calgary and he's probably going to play better in Carolina because he's going to be allowed to relax a little bit and not have to worry so much about everybody judging him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it, I mean, it may, I'm sure it affects their their play a bit in terms of um, you know in terms of how comfortable they are, and a happy person is probably going to be a better player. But I think it, in, even more, it impacts the way the coaches see the players. Like I, and this shouldn't be the case, but I honestly believe that that, and not all coaches, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some coaches that have the ability to look beyond this. But you know, there's a, it would not shock me if a if a traditional hockey guy coach. Like looks at Dougie Hamilton and says, like, well, you know, he just doesn't have the chemistry with his teammates on the ice. Like, that's why we're not winning. It's because they don't like him off the ice, so they don't perform well with him on the ice. And then, because of that, that coach doesn't use Dougie Hamilton as much as he probably should because he just doesn't think he has that it factor. And that it factor really is kind of meaningless as long as the results on the ice are good. But coaches buy into this stuff. Coaches buy into these ideas like, you know, team camaraderie and not to say they're not real but it's not a player can not be everybody's best friend and still be really really good and and you know what with with the guy like Dougie Hamilton maybe it's just that he hasn't found the right locker room 
you know, maybe maybe this is the locker room where he will find people that like he can actually be really, really good friends with off the ice. And maybe he's just been in past locker rooms that were kind of just filled with a bunch of dumb jocks. Like, I don't know, but I'm I'm convinced that like most of these guys, if not all of these guys in the NHL have the ability to, you know, make friends with other players like they they're, they're all amazing players of the same sport. They have things in common. It just kind of comes down to finding the right fit from a, from a personality standpoint. And his acceptance in the locker room was a big part of this story. Uh, that Burnside put up on The Athletic, and that's what I wanted to get into next. It does seem like there are guys that are willing to embrace him as an individual. Uh, Jacob Slavin seems like a pretty cool guy, and I'm saying that assuming he and I would have a ton of philosophical differences if we were to sit down and talk about things we (laughs) thought about, like the world. Um, (laughs) But he seems like a pretty good dude. He says, uh, this was, uh, I'm just going to read some of his quotes from this. He says, for me, I'm not out there for myself. I'm out there to glorify God. And those beliefs uh, don't have not and they make the conclusion, those beliefs and how he chooses to live his life don't make him less of a teammate. He said, for myself, I'm not out there to judge any guys for what they're doing. And so for myself, it's just trying to be an example uh, to them and love, love them where they're at. If they're at the bars hanging out, I'll go to the bars and hang out with them. I don't think drinking's a sin or anything. I hate the taste of it, to be honest. Close quote for a second. None of us like the taste of it, buddy. Some of it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Open quote again. Uh, that's just not what I grew up with and anything like that, so it just doesn't. It's not appetizing to me, I guess. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily. Like, here's a guy who isn't in that culture but embraces it, and it's helping you know the guys who are go, oh, well, he's, you know, it's, it's like everyone accepting everybody here. And he goes on to say, me and... Uh, he goes on to say if, if Hamilton wants to hang out in museums, he's up for that too. Me and Josh Joris were in D.C. last year, and we went to the Museum of the Bible, and then we went to an escape room together. I'm up for doing those kinds of things too. I can run with Dougie. I'll go to him with the Smithsonian. Then you get guys going to museums instead of going to the bars as a team, and who knows what could happen. Start a new trend. As a person who would be one of the dudes at the bar, I like hearing that there's a bunch of shit going on in the locker rooms because I think it would be pretty cool if a bunch of, say, privileged millionaire white dudes started to, like, read more. It would be wild, right? Like, I think that Open would probably be bit. good for the whole world. <laughs> And yeah, like, I think I think Slavin's comments are actually really sweet. Yeah, They're like I'm... it's like a nice guy. Like, yeah, I don't agree with everything that you're doing, and I'm a, a little bit of a Jesusy guy. But you know, if you guys want to go out and party, that's cool. I'll hang out with you, and it's like that's how it should be. Not everybody has to be the same, but you can still get along. And just I see their willingness, and this is again four games in. Like Charlie said, we could be doing this show next year or next week, and going, yo, the Hurricanes are a disaster, huh? <laughs> like that could uh, that's completely feasible it could absolutely happen but right now I just I think a lot of things are building up to like I like where this team is headed and I'm just enjoying reading about them makes me enjoy their success on the ice I hope that their infusion of personality and in, in like embracing individuals goes across the league because there there's more than one way to do shit like there's it's one of my favorite things about how the Eagles won last year and what happened with all that is 
suddenly a bunch of players started going, yo, it's not all about the Patriot way. We don't have to be joyless machines. Like, we can do the electric slide, and we can all have, we can all do whatever the hell we want, and we can still win. Like, I, I really hope that gets into hockey. Death to the hockey men. Let's, uh, let's move segment. on now to the Nashville Predators, who, man, their heel turn might be coming. I'm telling you. Uh, the Predators, who Charlie and Kelly predicted to win the Cup this year, raised three banners to commemorate a season in which they were eliminated in the second round. Uh, the President's Trophy banner, which I think is legit. That's cool. Uh, regular season Western Conference champions. That seems, I don't know. Absurd. A little Stupid. redundant. Like, yes. I don't, if if you were the number one seed in the West and didn't win the President's Trophy, I could see it. But, like, eh, it seems like the same thing. And, of course, Central Division champions, okay. I just wish all this shit was on one banner. Like, I was at the uh, I was at the Wells Fargo Center uh, unveiling thing last night where they previewed all the, uh, all the new, all the new stuff. And I'm looking oh, up at the cool. banner. I'm looking up at the banners, and they, they didn't replace those, but it's just like... All right, here are the cup ones, here are the division ones, here are the conference ones. And I'm thinking, one year, one banner. If you did everything in one year, it should be on one banner. But, well, uh, yeah, but, like, if you win the cup, you want a separate banner for the cup. I put, have a huge banner that says Stanley Cup, and then underneath be like, yeah, we also won the division and the President's Trophy, too. So, I, like, President's Trophy and Central Division champs, that's fine. Like, everybody has those. I agree that this, like, regular season champions thing is dumb. And I – so my, my second favorite team in the NFL are the uh, the Colts. <laughs> that's they, right. They, they did this. AFC finalist. Yep, AFC finalist. And it was rightfully torn to shreds by everyone. Like, guys, this is – it's pathetic. It's pathetic. Like, you were the President's Trophy champs. You were the President's Trophy winners, and you lost in the second round. Like – yeah, celebrate the fact you had an awesome regular season by by winning the President's Trophy, but like you don't like all that does is just proves as a rem- like, every time you look at that, you don't think, "Wow, it was a great season." You think, "Oh yeah, they won the West in the regular season and choked in the playoffs." Like that's all that does every time you see that banner. You're basically just dunking on yourself. Yeah, it, it's it's very bush league in my opinion. Like it's like if you you don't have anything to actually celebrate. You're just grasping at anything. And it's like they're they're a good enough team that they don't really need to do that. So it's it's extremely stupid to me. And I was also annoyed, Bill, that um I think it was Darnay that tweeted you a picture of what they do in Pittsburgh, and that has that it's actually ideal what they do there, which is annoying. Uh, the Flyers setup is kinda similar. They just happen yeah, it's to not have bad. a couple more Stanley Cup banners there that they can have in the middle. Um I, I found this really tacky, and I'm all for celebrating regular season success. I have a whole rant I'm going to go on at some point about how the regular season really does matter, um, but it's for a different day. Um, my thing that I want to know, though, is say they go on to win the Cup. Would it have been five banners? Do they hang those three plus Western Conference and Cup champs banner? Like, do they hang five banners if they win the Cup? No, of course not, and that just highlights the fact that at least one of these is incredibly stupid and you don't need it. Yeah. Because if you had gone farther, you wouldn't have a, a thing that said regular season Western Conference champions, because that's stupid. Another takeaway, uh, if you thought that hanging three banners to commemorate a season in which you ultimately failed to even get to the Western Conference final when, you know, you were the number one seed in the West, uh, as if those banners weren't the dumbest thing they could have possibly done, they one up themselves 
Austin Watson, who we made note of at the beginning of the show, who's serving a suspension for uh, beating his wife, I believe, girlfriend, um, he took part in the pregame ceremonies. Now, we all kind of rolled our eyes when, uh, when Tom Wilson was out there for Washington's Stanley Cup banner ceremonies and everything, but it's, you know, he was a big part of that team, and... Yeah, that's fine. What he's suspended... like, I hate him, but I, I hate him, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What... And his transgressions are on the ice. Yeah, what against Tom hockey Wilson, players. What Tom Wilson was suspended for was a dumb hockey play gone wrong. You know, like he's he, he did something stupid on the ice. Austin Watson hit a woman, and he's suspended for that. Uh, it's just so tone deaf and stupid, and sending all the wrong messages. Like what Charlie said, read the room, man. You know, not now. Like, if there was ever a time to be like, you know what, actually, we're a classy organization, and we're going to not have him on the ice and draw attention to this. Like, after all the Mike Ribeiro shit, like, it's that same organization. I, I, I just, as a fan of what Nashville does on the ice, it bothers me, because it's like, God damn it, guys, are you this stupid? Yeah, I mean, at the very least, like, have him stand in the fucking tunnel or something. Like, if you really want him there because you feel like he should be there... I disagree, but don't bring him out on the ice, for Christ's sake. Like, it's just unnecessary. And it's going to alienate people who enjoy your sport. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to alienate people who enjoy your team. Like, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, you're going to have most of the people in the in the arena uh, who are just going to cheer him. Um, some people because you know, they might not even know. Other people because they, you know, they think, oh, well, hockey's all that matters. Off the ice stuff doesn't matter. Some people because they're, you know far-right crazy people um but then there's going to be people in that arena who are going to hear those cheers and be like wow this is actually kind of disgusting and they're probably going to feel less happy about going to games because of that and it's like why just why why create a situation where that can happen like the guy's yeah. the guy's inactive he's not going to be playing for the first like month and a half of the season at least i guess i'm not sure what 18 games uh, equals out in terms of the length of the schedule. But, like, it would have been very easy just to have him standing on the bench and not announce his name. Yeah, like, get him up. As Yeah, like Kelly said, even if you want to have him there, just optics perspective, keep him off camera, man. Get him somewhere where no one will see him. Like, don't have him wearing your goddamn company brand on his chest. I just... It's it's so dumb for so many reasons, and it's like all, it's it's really angering to me. I, I like, I, I don't know. All right, let's wrap up with something a little lighter. Uh, we didn't get to, we didn't get to our individual predictions on the final episode on our final preview episode. So we're going to get into them here, and hopefully uh, somebody finally keeps track of them this year, and we can maybe somehow award uh, our most accurate guesser. And that's a cue for you listeners. Do our work for us. Remember our predictions for the Cup and individual awards and call us out on them uh, when the season ends. Let's uh, let's start with the MVP, the Hart Trophy. Who do you guys got? Yeah, I think McDavid is going to get it. He's Austin incredibly good. Matthews. Ooh. I don't think, I don't think McDavid's going to win because I don't think Edmonton's going to make the playoffs. I, I mean, they probably gonna... won't, but I mean... I, I, if they don't yeah. make the playoffs, I do not think he wins. And we're going to go through the exact same debate we went through last year, and yep. maybe he get, maybe he gets a few more votes, but I don't think they I don't think he gets it. And I 
you know, I, I made this prediction even before, you know, Toronto went on that crazy start, but like, I think Toronto is going to be really good. And I think Matthews is their best player. So I could definitely see him, you know, taking it Matthews because I don't, always- I don't see, I don't see any way they don't make the playoffs. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're making the playoffs. Uh, the Oilers probably won't, I would guess, but I, I feel as if, as long as they're a little bit better, if they improve from last year and I, I think McDavid, you know, we're going to get to the Art Ross, but, um, you know. I'm picking him to win that too. Oh my god! I just, I just don't see them denying him again. Uh, I, I, I feel like last it's going <laughs> to get to the point. It's going to get to the point where it's just we have to give it to the best player in the league. Like it's just the way it is. You guys, this is totally off topic, but I can't pass up the opportunity to dunk on Edmonton. Um, <laughs> but did, did you guys see that article today? I think it was a Drager. It was in the Edmonton Journal that I saw it, but it was Drager reported that apparently. Shirelli was trying to trade uh, Taylor Hall for Cody Cece straight yeah, up. Yeah, I did see that. That is, like, it could have been worse. Like, that is unbelievable to me. I don't, I, why didn't that happen? <laughs> I I don't know exactly why it didn't happen. I think it was something with Ottawa that held it up. I don't know. Yeah, that's but my, it, yeah, my yeah, next. O- Ottawa probably turned it down. Yeah. O- <laughs> they would have had to nah, pay we'll Taylor Hall. Now we'll keep Cody. Well, they would have had to pay Taylor Hall. They don't want to pay anybody. No, that Fair. was I was going to say, this is probably Ottawa just going, ah, don't know if I can swing that one. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like, Christ. it made me laugh a lot, and I just had to share that it. Is, it it could have yeah. been worse. That's so, the Edmonton Oilers could have been worse. <laughs> Their story. Uh, how about the Calder Trophy? I'm sticking with my preseason. Produ- I'm, I'm playing the straight. I'm picking the guys I picked before the season started, even though we're a week in. I'm going with a Boston Bruin for the second year in a row. Ryan Donato, I'm going with him. Yeah, so I've decided that because the hockey gods have seen fit to make it so that Flyers Twitter can be as insufferable as possible about all things at all times, it's going to be Pedersen. So then they can all complain about how we should have drafted him instead of Nolan Patrick. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the Pedersen train. Uh, I definitely think he's going. It's it just like he's going to be in such a big role for a bad team. He's going to rack up the points. Um, I don't know if he's going to end up being the best player who's a rookie. Uh, like I think Darlene is probably going to be the best. Uh, but I just feel like Pedersen's going to have the gaudy number, so I think he's going to run away with it. Charlie, since uh, since Kelly brought up uh, Nolan Patrick, just real fast. Anything other than seven to ten days upper body? Any insights? No, I mean they had a full day off, so I I, I just watched tape all day. I didn't okay. do any like journalism things. <laughs> the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman. I'm going Victor Hedman. I think he's going to win it two years in a row. I think so. I think he's going to be like the new guy that they give the trophy to every year until they decide that there's a guy who's due, and then they switch. See, I feel like there's going to be a new guy who's due this year. I don't know who it's going to be, but, like, I'm trying to think. Who, like, who's a really good defenseman who hasn't won yet? Hmm. I, I voted Subban, but that was more, like, just a cop-out. Yeah. Because I, because I think Nashville's going to be really good, and I figure if they're really good, Subban will probably be up there. Yeah, I, I mean, almost wrote Subban down, to be honest. Subban's going to be top five in voting every single year. There's, you know, he could easily he could easily win it any single season, you know? Um... I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Might be a might be a homer pick, but you guys know I'm not always a homer. But man, Shane Gossesbear, I think he's gonna lead all defensemen in scoring this year, and they're just gonna give it to him. That would be wild. That'd be neat. That'd American be really media cool. is gonna jump all over it. Like, oh, look at this guy from Florida. Hey yo. Um, 
Vezina Trophy for the best goaltender. I am saying contract year Sergei Bobrovsky makes himself uh, a Connor McDavid contract this year. I thought about this for a really long time, and I honestly don't know who I'd pick at this point in the season. Like, honestly, I have no idea. So my original pick was uh, was Vasilevsky because I just figured that uh, I figured that you know Tampa's going to win a ton of games. He's a good goalie. He's going to rack up the wins and have a good save percentage because Tampa's got a great defense too, and then they'll be fine. I think it's a safe pick. Um, but going on the first week of the year and my pre-existing respect for his talent, I'm going to switch to John Gibson because he is killing it in Anaheim right now. And he was really good last year too. I think he might be my Vesna pick now. Okay. That would be fun because I feel like he's a guy who everybody forgets. And by everybody, I mean me specifically, but he is very <laughs> good, but I always forget that he exists. Oh yeah. We talked, uh, I guess during our Pacific preview episode, we just talked about how Everyone, when you think of the Ducks, you automatically go Getzlaff and Perry. And that really detracts from, they have a bunch of other good and young players, and Gibson has been a hell of a goalie for a few seasons now. They also right. have Randy Carlisle on that spot. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. He's, he's a cup-winning coach, you guys. <laughs> he did. He did indeed win a cup. The points leader, the Art Ross Trophy, I'm going McDavid, uh, the cop-out, the easy one. Gretzky won seven in a row Art Ross Trophies. Uh, with, with when, when he was with, with Edmonton. He won a couple more after that. But uh, I think Connor's probably on a, a similar trajectory. He's just, if he doesn't win the Art Ross, I assume it's because of injury. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also picking him. Yeah, he's it's a no-brainer. If he's healthy, he wins it, and he wins it going away. I just don't see anybody who can... Like, I just don't see anybody who can who can hang with him. Like, maybe Matthews is the only one if that power play is just unreal. But even then, I, I don't I don't see it. I, I just I mean I'm I'm more intrigued to see just how many points McDavid's going to have in his best year. It is like that is a like how high like how many could he could he be a guy who cracks like 120? You know like oh I think he definitely can crack 120. I'm talking like 130s. I think he could make. Wow, that, that would be something. If because Edmonton's power play was awful last year, yeah. and he still racked up the points. Like imagine that... if they fix that power play, it could be nuts. That would be something if we got, like, an old-school huge total, like 130-plus. All right, last but not least, the Rocket Richard for the goal leader. Um, I'm just going to lead off. I, You know what? Everyone else is going to say Matthews or Ovechkin, so I'm just going to go with Patrick Laine. But, yeah, Matthews, Jesus Christ. That yeah, you shoot. are correct. I am going to say Matthews. That yeah, kid can freaking shoot. My I, God. I picked Laine. Um, oh, but yeah. okay. But, yeah, Ooh, Matthews. How about that? I just I think it's going to be close between Matthews and Line A, but I picked Line A. I totally understand going with Matthews. So I mean, he's off to an incredible start. All right, guys. I believe that is all the time we have for you right here on Ice Sport Radio. That was pretty good. We did it. Considering no <laughs> Steph, we got into like the 50, 50th minute range. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you're new to Ice Sport, we do this every week where we talk about a bunch of other stuff uh, that isn't the Flyers. I throw some Flyers in here and there when applicable, but uh, we have fun doing it. And I hope you continue to listen to this new free show we have for you right here on our podcast feed. Uh, for Kelly, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, 
maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.